Man, we're grateful and thankful to the Lord for that worship with our praise team. I hope and pray that you've been encouraged. I hope and pray you have been blessed by the worship in song. Remember, preaching is really not the order of the day. Worship is the order of the day. Everything that we do, everything that we offer to you is designed to help you experience God, right? It's not about how good the preacher is or how good the singing is or how good the praying is or anything else. It's really about how great our God is. And that's what we want you to leave thinking about, the awesomeness of God. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time in the Word today. Father, we thank you and we bless you. We pray now that everything that we do and everything that we say will bring glory and honor to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So on a scale of one to ten, one being almost non-existent or poor, ten being excellent, how loving a person are you? Yeah, I'm asking you to rate yourself. How loving a person are you on a scale of one to ten? Ten being great, one being non-existent or poor. Now, if you're like most people, you probably stopped and thought for a minute. Some of you are so egotistical, you just jumped out with your answer and probably said seven, eight, nine, ten. Some of you may have said a 12 on a scale of one to ten. But some of you thought about it for a moment, and here's what you asked yourself or asked me in your mind. Who am I loving? Because in your mind, there are some people who deserve 10 love and there's some people who deserve one love. There's some people who you love and you say, oh, 10 out of 10. There's some people who have gotten on your last nerve or maybe done you harm or done you wrong. And you say, you know what? Number one, no problem. Here's the truth of the matter. Whenever we evaluate ourselves, we tend to think more highly of ourselves than we should. Uh, I have a little saying that I share with people often, especially when people are evaluating themselves. For example, in the state of Texas, we have a public utility commission and energy companies run unchecked. They basically govern themselves. And, and I say, you know, I, I've learned in my teaching profession over the years, over 30 years, I never ask a student to grade their own paper. I never ask a student to grade their own exam because here's what I've discovered. They will always give themselves an A. Because even if they don't grade themselves correctly on the facts of the answer, they will give themselves a correct answer on their intentions or their understanding. Jesus challenges us around this idea of evaluating how we love. And today, I want to continue our thought from last week. I want to talk to you today from the thought, how to give God's love to others, part two. How to give God's love to others, part two. Now, remember the context of the passage that we're looking at in Mark chapter 12, uh, the scribes had determined that Jews were obligated to obey 613 precepts. Uh, these precepts were 
extrapolated out of the Ten Commandments. You had 365 thou shalt nots and 248 thou shalt. And out of all of these commandments, uh, there was a favorite exercise they had to argue which was the greatest, which was the preeminent of all of the commandments. And that's the question that Jesus was asked by one of the scribes. He hears Jesus talking and he asks the master, what do you think is the greatest of the commandments? And Jesus says, uh, here are the greatest commandments. One, the greatest of all, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Upon those two, everything else is to be based or built. I shared with you last week, first, you need to realize the Lord commands you to love your neighbor. Several weeks ago, we talked about the fact that we have a command to love God and to love him in totality, to love him with our all, all our heart, all our soul, all our mind and all our strength. But Jesus says the second is like unto it. And he challenges us regarding the importance of and not just the importance, but the necessity of loving your neighbor, because Jesus understands that it's easy for us to love God in a abstract, unaccountable kind of way, because we can verbally say we love God vertically, but nobody can question or challenge that. And Jesus basically tells us, including in our scripture reading today, that your vertical ability to love God must be seen in your horizontal ability to love other people. That it's not just I love God, and then in the name of God, I hurt people. That's why I submit to you that so many tragedies, so many heinous acts have been done in the name of Jesus, arguably historically, as many heinous acts have been done in the name of Jesus. As a matter of fact, I would submit to you even more in the name of Jesus than have ever been committed in the name of Allah. See, we think of Islamic terrorists but we don't think about Christian terrorists. We don't think about people who claim to be good God-fearing people trying to overthrow the government. We don't think about good God-fearing people carrying arms, shooting innocent people. We don't think about people who say they are good God-fearing people who took people's lands by force and then claimed they were the savages. I'm talking about the people whose land they stole. Jesus says you must love your neighbor as yourself. That the same love God has given to you, the same love that you are commanded to give to God, the same love that you are committed to give to Jesus, the same love that you are committed to give to one another, you've got to give to your neighbor. Because Jesus understands it is our tendency to be selfish and not selfless. And what we're doing in life many times is self-serving and not committed to serving others. Second thing I showed you last week was you need to understand who your neighbor is to understand who you are to love. That when Jesus uses this word neighbor, 
He is not talking about proximity in terms of who lives in your geographic region. He's really talking about anybody that comes within your concentric circle of contact. Now, that may include those who live close to you geographically, but neighbor speaks to even more than that. He talks about those we come in contact with who are in need. And when we come to those who are in need or come up to those who are in need, are we neighborly in our response to them or are we selfish and mean-spirited and unloving in how we treat them? I'm going to talk more about that on next week. But here's what I want to talk about today. How to give God's love to others. Part two, here's the first thing. Number one, you need to understand what it means to love yourself so you can properly love your neighbor. You've got to learn what it means to love yourself. Now, I got to put a quarter in the meter and park right here for the rest of our time, because my brothers and sisters, I submit to you that the overwhelming majority of us don't know how to love others because we do not know how to properly love ourselves. Look at the text, Mark chapter 12, verse 31. And the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, the New King James says. There is no other commandment greater than these. Look at A. You need to understand loving yourself is an assumption and the standard for loving others. You need to understand loving yourself is an assumption and the standard for loving others. Jesus says you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is not a command to love yourself. There's an assumption that you love yourself because Jesus recognizes that it is natural to love yourself. It is normal to love yourself. As a matter of fact, we only go too far when we are in love with ourselves, or we are lovers of self. And I'll talk about that in just a moment. But there's an assumption and a standard here around you loving yourself and that being the foundation upon which you love others. Now, if you ask most people, do they love themselves? the overwhelming majority of people will say, yeah, I love myself. Most of you would say, yeah, I love myself. But I submit to you that if you struggle with loving others the way Jesus commands you to love, it's in part because or just may be tied to your inability to love yourself as God loves you. See, here's the truth. You can't export to somebody else what you haven't imported into your own life. And if you have grown up in a home where you were not affirmed for who you are, if you grew up in a home or even in a church where you don't know and have not been taught who you are in Jesus Christ, if you don't find self-worth and identity in who you are in Jesus, 
and you are still finding your worth and identity in cars, cash, commodities, and creature comforts. You're still finding your worth and identity in the name on the bag that you carry or the name in the suit that you wear. If you are still finding your worth and your value in the things of this world, then I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, that you can't give to others what God assumes that you have. See, the fact is the vast majority of people in our world care for their own needs. And Jesus says, if you care for your own needs, then the caring for your own needs should be the foundation in caring for the needs of others. I mean, think about this for a minute. The first law of nature is the law of self-preservation. But right after self-preservation, self-preservation should come the desire to help others be preserved. And, 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 And the Bible is very clear that you and I must get to a place where we are healthy enough internally that we can give to others what God has blessed us with. See, when Jesus says treat your neighbor as yourself, love your neighbor as yourself, he's essentially saying treat other people like you treat yourself. Treat other people as well as you treat yourself. Would you be willing to do for other people what you do for yourself? Or are you just looking out for you? Is it just about me, myself, and I, and you're not thinking about anybody else? Here's the B part. You must understand the difference between loving yourself and being a lover of self. You must understand the difference between loving yourself and being a lover of self. I I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, one of the reasons we can't love others as we love ourselves is because we are even on the down low, a lover of ourselves. And because we are lovers of self, we can't love other people as ourselves. Look at Second Timothy chapter three, beginning at verse one. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, but having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. Now, there's so much in this passage, I don't have time to deal with all of it. But but here's what's interesting to me. Jesus tells us that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. Paul says that there are people who, verse 5, have the appearance of godliness in terms of the keeping of rituals, routines, and religion, but their attitude internally 
is marked by, here it is, being a lover of self, lover of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, go down the list. So there's a suggestion here by the Apostle Paul that people can be practicing all of these things and believe all of these ungodly things and still claim to be God's children. Because remember, when Paul writes 2 Timothy, this is his second letter to Timothy. He's not talking to unchurched and unsaved people. He's talking to people who are claiming to be believers. He's not even talking about people only in the world. He's saying, oh yeah, people in the world are like this, but man, people who say they love Jesus are like this. And they have the appearance of godliness but they are denying its power based on what they believe and how they behave. Now, let's look at the difference between being a lover of self and loving yourself. He says, in the last days, there are people who will be lovers of self. Uh, that, that word for lovers of self, that phrase literally means to be fond of self i.e. selfishness, uh, to be fond or friendly to yourself only, to the exclusion of others. It's, it's the idea that the world revolves around me. And everybody in the world needs to understand that. Because when you think the world revolves around you, you think the world owes you something. You want the attention to be centered on you. You push yourself forward at the expense of other people. You insist things have to always be your way and for your benefit. There's no such thing for you as a win-win situation because you think you have to win all the time and win everything. And if somebody else is winning while I'm winning, I'm not winning enough. It's all got to come to me. And he says there are many who are lovers of self. And they focus on loving self. It's almost this affirming of the flesh and this lifting up of the flesh. Not just any flesh, your flesh. Right? I'm lifting my flesh. I'm a lover of self. And the heck with everybody else. It's about me, and it's all about me. Now, I know what somebody's saying right now. You're watching right now, and you're saying, well, I'm not that bad. No, just pick the degree. Just pick the degree. See, once you get above 98.6, <laughs> you got a temperature, right? It can be a mild one. It can be a major one, but you got a temperature. And I'm saying some of us, when we look at the degrees to which we are lovers of self, we look at the extreme and say, well, see, that's not me. No, but you're right next door. You're right there. Because when you are a lover of self, I'm telling you, you will find it difficult, challenging, and almost impossible to love somebody else like you should. You never want to give more than you get. And whenever you give, you want to make sure that you keep back enough for yourself. 
somebody who's watching right now, you're too selfish to get married. You're too selfish to get married. Somebody you shouldn't have gotten married. You're too selfish. You're too self because you are a lover of self so much so you are preoccupied with loving yourself. You can't give the love that somebody else deserves because you are so busy trying to think and figure out how to get the love you deserve because you want all the love for you. And Paul says that's a problem. That's a problem because even for you, you might have the appearance of godliness. But you're denying the power of God. But watch the difference between lovers of self and loving someone as yourself. That, that phrase, loving someone as yourself or loving your neighbor as yourself, is rooted in a godly love for self that is natural and is pleasing to God with the ultimate desire. Listen carefully. With the ultimate desire to be your best for your God. You want to be your best for your God so that other people can experience the good of God and they can learn how to live to the glory of God. See, when it's a lover of self, it's all about you. When you love your neighbor as yourself or you love someone as yourself, the glory goes to who? It goes to God. Uh, it, it's, it's a love that does not lift yourself. It's a love that lifts the self-image and the self-worth of somebody else. It, it's a love that is so secure. That's, that's why it's so important for you to understand who you are in Jesus, your identity in Jesus. Because when you have your identity in Jesus secured, then you can help somebody else find that same identity for themselves. When you have your identity in Jesus secured, then you don't have to com compete with somebody else about who's supposed to be on top, who's supposed to be in the big chair, who's supposed to be the king, the queen, the president, who is a legend in their own mind. Because you recognize how fragile vanity really is. And that it's really never about you. It's always about God. This, this is a love that promotes others and doesn't just promote yourself. And the word says there is a real simple way to decide how you will love another. See how much love you're willing to give to yourself and how much love you are willing to share with others because what you give to yourself you should be willing to share with others look at philippians chapter 2 beginning at verse 3 don't be selfish don't try to impress others be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves don't look out only for your own interests but take an interest in others too Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, the New Living Translation. Let's read together Acts 20, verse 35. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. James chapter 2, you sounded so good. 
Read it wherever you are. James chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? I love James 4.17. It's convicting, but it's true. Anyone then who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it commits sin. Anyone who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it commits sin. Here's the last scripture I want to share with you. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. This Memorial Day weekend I shared with you earlier is the two-year anniversary of the murder of George Floyd. And we look at tragic deaths and killings since then, including the murder of those children in Uvalde and teachers and a young man whose life was snuffed out. And my brothers and sisters, here's what I believe. I, I believe God is, is challenging us to look in the mirror at ourselves and to see how real our faith is. Uh, when we compromise the two basic commandments, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, and we so narrowly define neighbor that we feel justified in the name of Jesus, of killing others, we feel justified of practicing uh, sexism and racism and xenophobiaism, our fear of strangers and, and fear of immigrants. And we, we want to talk about, we want to make America white again. And, 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 and we're hearing all of this kind of verbiage when the truth of the matter is, if, if all of the immigrants went home, there would be nobody here except the Native Americans. The, the fact of the matter is, um, our Christian witness is rooted and grounded in whether or not we're willing to show the love of God, not just say it to him, but to show it to others. And next week, we're going to talk about how to make that neighbor a reality in your life and what needs to happen in order for us to show that love not a lover of self, but loving others as I love myself. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for today. I pray now that uh, everything that we uh, do and have said, have done, has been pleasing in your sight. And I just pray now that uh, the word has found fertile ground in the hearts and minds of people that those who 
are watching, those who are listening, that by your Holy Spirit, you would challenge them. Show them opportunities, even this week, God. Point out to them where they are being a lover of self instead of loving others as themselves. Help us to have a healthy view of you so we can have a healthier view of ourselves and of others. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, my brothers and sisters, thank you for being with us on today. Now, listen, two things I want to ask you quickly. Do you know the Lord or do you need the Lord? Let's start with if you need the Lord. If you need the Lord in your life, you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life. I want to give you an opportunity to say yes, not to rituals, routines or religion, but to a relationship. To the God who loves you so much, he loves you where you are, but he doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to make something beautiful out of your life, but he can't do it without your permission and your participation. If you would click on the link right now that says, I want to become a Christian. I want to be saved. I want to give my life to Jesus. All of those things are synonymous. You want to give your life to the Lord. Click on that link and I will show you privately how to ask Jesus Christ into your life. If you know the Lord and you would like to unite with us and become part of our church family, whether it's in person or on the virtual platform with I Hope Church, man, we would welcome you. We love you. It's every month we have people who are joining with us from near and far. Some 143 countries are watching I Hope Church, and I'm grateful to God for each of you who have taken time out of your schedule. I want to thank you for the privilege of your time because it is truly a privilege that you take time to be with us. If you'd like to unite with our church, we would love for you to do that. Now, it's giving time. If you haven't given already through the worship service, man, we welcome you to give and to be faithful in your giving, to sow a good seed into good ground. Uh, there are lives that are being changed. Hundreds of people every week, hundreds of people, thousands of people every month are being served through our food pantry. Grateful to God for that. Um, our youth diversionary program, where we're working with the district attorney's office in Harris County. We're working with Harris County to uh, really just stop children and get them out of that school to prison pipeline early on in the process. These are kids, many of whom this is their first offense. Maybe they've had two offenses, but they've been minor and, and they're showing the proclivity, they're showing some signs that this could become the pathway that they follow for life. And God is giving us an opportunity. And I want to thank our district attorney, Kim Og, for working with us. I want to thank Henry Gonzalez, who is the director of Harris County Juvenile Department, for working with us as well to help us help these young people and their families. Uh, every week I'm meeting with the children. Our team is meeting. Every week I've had an opportunity now over the last several weeks to meet with parents, to encourage them, to let them know that we are here to help them in the raising of their children. And it's amazing to see some of their faces when they look at me, when they hear me say, we're here to help your children. We're not here to get them in trouble. Uh, we're not necessarily here to get them out of trouble. We're here to help get them on a positive path in life. And when I start talking to them real, man, those parents look at me and, and the first thing that typically comes out of their mouth is, 
you know, thank you. How can we work together? Because that's what we're here to do. All of that takes place because of your faithfulness, because of your giving. Our prison ministry, um, our other missions projects, missionaries that we're supporting uh, on the mission field, but those that we're working with locally, nationally, as well as internationally. All of that takes place because of you. And I want to thank you for your faithfulness. I want to thank you in your giving to God because I want you to know only heaven is going to record the lives that you touch and the lives that you change. We've had several deaths here at our church, and I want you to keep all of those families in prayer um, that have suffered the loss of loved ones, uh, praying for their strength, praying for their encouragement uh, in the midst of it all. Uh, whenever we do a homegoing service, we always uh, take that opportunity to present the gospel um, because we know that many times it's at death that people need to hear the message of life as much as any other time. And so I want you to pray for that ministry as well. There's several major things that are on the table. And man, I'm just asking God to give me strength, uh, to give me guidance, and to give me the team to help us bring what he wants done in this season to bring it to pass. All right? Listen, God bless you. God be with you. Don't forget, God is doing something wonderful in you. You may not see it all right now, but trust God that he is doing something wonderful in you. He's doing something wonderful in me. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But in the end, we shall be just like him. Let's celebrate in the process and in the journey of becoming. All right. Until next time, God blesses my prayer.